1: Welcome to another episode of The Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talked to New York stand-up comedian, writer, and actor, Lance Weiss. You might have seen him on your TV or heard his voice somewhere, or perhaps you saw him performing stand-up comedy at a show. We talk about his OCD. We talk about his history. We talk about pursuing your dreams and investing in yourself. And uh, we get into some pretty good psychology, I think, that you'll hear pretty, uh, pretty much in the first half. Okay, so I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a filmmaker, musician, podcaster, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments. Because they have an app that can make your life simpler. Okay, uh, check out the show notes for links and information. And uh, enjoy this episode. the cast so we do it yeah so lance weiss you're a veteran of the new york comedy scene and uh you were the face of at&t wait can we start over <laughs> i'm serious i want to start over real quick lance weiss thanks for being here you are a veteran of the new york comedy scene and you were the face of at&t which I recently found out. At one point, I was in an AT&T commercial. Uh-huh. You yeah. were like almost the, the Sprint
2: guy? You were the rival to kind the Sprint guy? Kind of, I suppose. Yeah, mm. I wouldn't say I would go... I'm not as well known as... Uh, yeah, I don't even know who saw it. Yeah, that guy kind of made his living off of... Oh, that guy's a multimillionaire now. He is, yeah. huh? Oh, my God. Yeah. What, the Sprint... What Would you say Sprint or Verizon? Well, he, who's that he moved. Yeah, dude, the guy's worth probably like twenty million dollars. Yeah, the
1: amount of money when you need the like flow, progressive. Yeah, unreal money. And he played it way better than Jared from Subway.
2: Yeah well oh, my the greatest thing is who fucked up that contract for because Ver- that's a horrible no-no you can't jump brands like that that oh. means someone didn't look at his contract and they were like holy shit it's done and we didn't we didn't put a clause in here it was brilliant marketing from sprint yeah and then he jumped like but like whoever did that legal work was like mm-hmm. that's i mean listen i don't also i also don't know what i'm talking about yeah but i'm guessing that's horrific like that should have been a clause like you did verizon now you're verizon forever like that's the, and they Verizon should have kept paying him, whatever that is, to to hold him as a Verizon.
1: But it ran out. Yeah. I know I'm ranting, but well, yeah. The w- weird thing is, is that Quiznos was trying to get Jared to switch over. so funny. To- <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I love
2: like there aren't enough dudes that look like that. Like there's not there's not right. millions of dudes that could do that role. It's so stupid. There's got to be somebody. Yeah. Do you ever go on any commercial auditions? Uh, no. I've been going on for 10 years. Uh-huh. And I've booked like, i booked two on camera and two voiceovers four commercials in 10 years how many auditions hundreds hundreds. H- hundreds like probably 600 maybe yeah and it could be a little high but i mean at one point i was going on four a day it was like my day job right i was going you name it i auditioned for it. but like the rate but the point is anyway if you get them it can fucking make your career you right. know what i mean like those why did i go on this rant oh, oh the point is one they're stupid like a lot of them like anyone Like, you you and I might play slightly different roles, depending Mm -hmm. on what it is. But we also might play friend, you know, 25 to 45. Like, anybody can show up and just
1: sit there and drink a glass of water. I was told I should because I can be ethnically ambiguous looking. You're probably pretty good for it, actually, yeah. 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 See, when I lived in L.A., I think I did go on one Mm -hmm. or two. And uh, it was just so humiliating and seemed like such a waste of time. Depend how you did it. Disempowering. Very disempowering. You just go there. It was like a big casting call, just yeah. tons of people there. Yeah. And you feel like. No, it sucks. It's just random. So if you have, but the difference
2: is if you have a good agent, right? Like you'll get, like I go, I go, uh, uh, I get like a call time. It's like three ten. Because you have an agent. Yeah, I mm-hmm. show up at three. I read the side. Here's like a couple lines usually. I show up three ten is my time. I show up at three. I read what I got to do. I'm in there. Like if they're on time at three ten, sometimes they're behind because it just happens. But let's just say three twenty. Right. And then I'm out by three thirty. Like it's it's like and everyone you're with is pro. All the actors right. are like good-looking people who like have good agents and have their show you in. it's like is there a doing doing like a comedy open mic or like being at like the comedy cellar or something like that
1: right I, I recently got past that lol comedy club and great. been really enjoying having yeah. an exact spa, uh, spot it's time. great yeah it's yeah. such a better use of your time mm-hmm. than even going to a bar show where you can sit there for an hour and a half two hours like not even knowing when you're going on because there you don't even know when. yeah so tell me where where are you from you're not a New Yorker I could tell no, I'm
2: originally from Georgia. Uh, south Georgia, small town, one hour south of Savannah. Okay, so you're southern? Yeah. Southerner? Or, yeah, or one hour north of Jacksonville, Florida. How come uh, I'm not hearing any accent? It's on the coast. God, hold on. I got to write some shit down. My brain is not. Somebody got to write stuff down. Just like what? So, uh, adjectives? Just everything. My brain does not operate. Let's see. Do you want to pull up a list of adjectives? No, I'm fucking losing it. Hold on.
1: Um,. Uh, okay. One well, other. you do do this interesting thing because this is several years ago. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but uh I think I wrote you a message, and then I ran into you at a at a comedy yeah. show, and you pulled out a notebook and you said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. Yeah. Look, it's in my notebook yeah. to get back to yeah. you." So instead of responding, to, which I found odd, instead yeah. of responding to my message. Which would have taken twenty seconds. Sure. you pulled out your notebook, wrote it down in your notebook yeah. as a to do, yeah, and then re- was, I guess, eventually going to do it, which yeah. you eventually did. Yeah, my brain doesn't
2: operate the uh, in like it's a highly functioning brain when it operates, and then other uh-huh. times like could not be dumber. It could not operate slower and dumber and more like backwards. Well, you get everything done, but not in the most efficient way. Is that- yes and no. I'm uh, more efficient, I think, than uh, at times, than like uh, maybe, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to say an average, but everybody's got their own. I'm, su- I'm highly efficient, but then there's other times where I can't even, I mean, we all are. Like, and then there's times I can't even do, I can't even send an email because my brain won't allow me. Right. What, what is that? What is that I have look OCD.
1: Like? Did we ever talk about this? We have OCD? Yeah. You have OCD.
2: Yeah. Did we ever talk about it? A little, we grazed yeah. on it. I mean, I've been in and out of therapy since I was 18. Okay. And I'll be 35 next month. So, how was it, 17 years mm-hmm. of like all, every kind of
1: therapist, you name it, like PhD students, all the way up to like some of the leading like OCD people in the world. So, what is it? I mean, OCD, I imagine, has many different faces. Sure. What does yours look like? Yeah, my whole life is run by it. Like, every decision I make is run by it. Do you have to like put your arm on a building and make sure that it's that you're like grounded? That kind of OCD? No, but shit that dumb. Yeah. Stuff
2: literally that dumb. Is there certain
1: things you have to do before you leave the apartment? Everything.
2: Every little action I do is rooted in OCD. Uh-huh. And people, sometimes you can see some of them, and sometimes you, you know, 90% of them that most people never see, because it's just the way you're doing it. Is it something that you just try to keep secret? I don't mind. I'll, t- I'll tell people about it. I'll talk about it. Like, there's a lot of weird little habits and weird little routines that are completely useless. Mm-hmm. But the difference, uh, I guess the advantage is when it's, uh when it works it's it's highly detailed and highly i mean so you know i ran a show for many years it was i co-ran a show and one of the reasons of its success amongst a lot of things the gandhi because show at because i'm Jets. a fucking animal when it comes to like detail and getting it right and doing it correctly and do it you, you know um that's one of the reasons i my co-producer obviously helped a ton too but like my like attention to shit like that is like barn i'll put it up against anybody's you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah,
2: So it pays off in that
1: sense. Yeah, but then it inhibits you, it fucks you in other ways. Why? Because you have to do so many of these minute details to just leave the apartment? Yeah, dumb shit. I was late here by seven minutes. Pisses me off. But you, you texted that you're parking five minutes to
2: one. But I had to do some weird shit to get in here properly. Well, what What do you mean weird shit? I don't even want to talk about it. I don't no. know, it's like dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I could have gotten here tw- uh, 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. But I do some of my own dumb weird bullshit to to get my mind in a place where I felt like I was okay to come in here and then do this podcast. Even though like it's just you and me hanging out. It's not but it's still there's certain things I have to do to get it to a place that I feel comfortable that everything is good.
1: Well, everyone has their things like self-care. You know, some people might yeah. meditate for sure. 20 minutes. Yeah. If yours is different than that, then who's to say it's weird? Yeah,
2: but it, when it starts inhibiting your life, it's a problem. That's like saying someone, like, well, I just needed four beers before I came on here. Like, that's my process. And it's like, dude, that's kind of a problem. Like, so you, you pounded four beers? No, but I'm saying, like, if that's someone's <laughs> process, like, dude, this, that's, you're just doing a podcast. Like, I don't know if, like, I think you got an issue. Like, that's your process, but it's not a good process.
1: Right, well, pounding four beers is different because it inebriates you, and it's like an external thing that you're having to bring in. Yeah. But, I mean, is it like you have to do a chant, or you have to... Mm. knock a couple things off your notebook list <laughs> kind of yeah dumb shit like that mm-hmm.
2: just dumb little like uh i have to clear out every well here's one basic thing i've been doing recently i've been clearing out like every app on my phone before we start because i'm scared something will be recorded on the app somewhere and so like it will get sent as a weird message to someone so uh-huh. if you open my phone right now there's nothing active everything is deactivated and everything is off and like Which isn't that rare. But like I'm like I'm very paranoid about it being on and are people listening, hearing, seeing, all shit like that.
1: You know we're recording this right now. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So how so growing up in Georgia, did you when did you sense this as a kid? was this something that was happening? What about high school started like uh, yeah. High school prize when it kinda happened. What was the first inclination that this was going on? Uh, I used to
2: drive my car around, like, a big thing of OCD, I mean, I don't want to do the whole podcast on OCD, I don't mind talking about it, and I've talked about it on a million podcasts, which, wow. but your listeners might not, right. you know, so I, I don't mind. Um, I used to do this thing where, and I still do a lot of it, it's super embarrassing, super shitty, but it's, the thing with OCD is it's not really you, it's like your brain doing, like it's, uh, what OCD people do is sc- eerily and scarily identical and weird as hell. And you're like, what the, why? you like, that's a bizarre action, but that, like, those other people with OCD do the exact same action. And it's like, how is that possible? It's so specific.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, it's like, uh, I used to do this thing where, let's say, like, I picked you up in a car, and then I'd get nervous that I hit someone somehow, and I'd look in my rearview mirror to see, and then I'd see, like, a shadow, or like, we'd hit a speed bump, and then I would drive around the block to, like, check to make sure I didn't kill somebody. And sometimes I had a drive around like three or four times, Mm -hmm. which could not be more or less productive. It would be ironic if like driving back around a check. You actually hit someone. Yeah. 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 But like then you literally is that, did someone fall when I ran over that cup? Was that actually a person? Did I kill someone? And this is a highly like, it's like, this is like textbook OCD, like one of the main and like driving back to make like, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll share this one. I'm fucking super embarrassed about it right now. Like I, when I parked here, I literally got on my, like, in a push-up position on the un, behind my car mm-hmm. to look underneath to make sure no one was, like, wedged under there. Wow. That's I'm, insane. That's fucking... My hands, like, my hand... Like, I touched the road. I don't want to fucking touch the road. It's, like, gasoline. I mean, it's fine. I wiped them off and, what you and know, what you did wash and then hands. And then I first came in and washed my hands, which <laughs> yeah. you would never know that unless I told you. Right. You would just know that, that I just washed my hands and used the restroom. But I washed my hands because I touched the road outside because I was on my... Literally, like, in a push-up position... I don't want my knees to hit right. <laughs> uh, to look under my car to make sure nobody was wedged under there. That's a huge waste of time. You look like a maniac on the street. It's super embarrassing. It's like it makes me want to cry. Not so much for myself, but because if you read other people, I don't, I'm talking a lot. I apologize. If you read other people who have OCD, it's like textbook. There's like a guy who like, uh, there's many kind of OCD books you can read. A guy who like has this, he can't like drive down certain roads if gasoline or oil had spilled. Mm-hmm. And then he'll like literally be up at two in the morning, like scrubbing the street to like get the gasoline off. Cause so he can drive down it for work the next morning. Meanwhile, he's got to be up at 6am cause he has to get to work. So he's already in like no sleep. And it's like could not be a sadder. Like for your quality of life, OCD is like one of the highest. Like, I think it's third on that, like, uh, what is that, DSM or whatever that, like, uh, that psychological book that, like, describes, you know, alcoholism, depression. Like, right. OCD, I think, is ranked third for, like, disrupting your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's horrific. Is yours always
1: involved hitting someone with the car? That's just one. Right. That's just one of a million things I do. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, sounds debilitating, it sucks. but also, it sucks. It's probably serves you like you said in other ways, productively.
2: When you get it under control, you can fucking do anything. Mm -hmm. But but you got to get it under control. It's like anything else in life. Yeah. Are there people that have gotten it under control? Yeah, it's high. It's highly the therapy for it's highly effective. Hypnotism? No. uh, Cognitive therapy like CBT, CBT, cognitive behavior. And then there's a subsect of that called uh, uh, ERP, which would be exposure and response prevention which is basically just making you do things
1: you're afraid of and then you're training your brain that it's okay. Right? So like NLP you're retraining your your brain your reactions to things. <laughs> um yeah. Cuz you do some NLP stuff, right? No. Oh, you don't. No. Cuz your your social media posts are very positive and I was like, yeah. oh, they're very like NLP, do you know what NLP is? Neuro-linguistic you like say repeat things over and over and tr- to get your brain in a way that uh, you consciously try to ch- uh, change your reactions to things. So if something happens to you, instead of reacting like you always react, yeah. you kind of retrain your brain to be to rethink your your natural reaction, and you say, "Oh, I'm not going to react that way. I'm going to react this way from now on." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar to that. Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's uh, it's a little exposure and response prevention. Uh, it's like the most effective. Is like it's like physically doing something, like uh, like not looking under my car. Like, even though I
1: did, like not looking at it and feeling really uncomfortable. Well, even before that, the yeah. feeling comes up yeah. telling you, Lance, look under your car to make sure. Yeah. Right. So, when that feeling comes up, you, your response is, oh, I got to sure. get in a push up position and yeah. look under my car. Yeah. But next time that feeling comes up, you'd be like, oh, this time, I'm going to say, I don't need to look under my car. Sure. It's all good. Similar
2: to that, yeah, but then it's the it's it's taking the action of not doing it because you're exposing yourself to not looking. Because when I go back to, if I don't look, it, what happens is your anxiety shoots up. Did it kill someone? Is someone stuck on it? Are they dying right now? They, it, it, all, catastrophic thinking, right? And then if I don't do it, like, and then maybe I will be more uncomfortable, more on edge, more whatever, but then when I go back to my car and I pull away, no mm-hmm. one's dead. So then you've just trained your brain... Every time you do something, it's a train in your brain. Right. You've trained it to go, oh, no one's dead when you park. Right. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And so the more you, times you do that, because what you're thinking is just, uh, is just synapses firing and creating neural pathways. Every time you do, that's why you get better at something. Whenever you practice whatever shooting a basketball yeah. or whatever the fuck, like your brain creates neuro, like synapses that fire that then create the pathway. It's the amazement of the uh, human mind. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. So that's, it's highly encouraging too because it shows like whatever you really want to do, you could just, like you play guitar, see guitars around and mm-hmm. I know you play guitar. Like you, when you start, you suck. Yeah. But now you can do shit because you've tra- literally just trained your brain. That's all it is. It's synapses that then tell your fingers to do certain things that make the music come out. And it stays there forever. Yeah, you got it. Well, well, you can lose it if you stop uh, the neuro. That th- yeah, I guess it will stay forever. But the brain's uh, I guess plasticity or um, it's malleable, so you could actually train it to do other things. Like you could actually probably train your your brain away from guitar if you wanted it, because you could kill those those neural. Or what it would do is basically you 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 instead of practicing guitar, you practice I don't know fucking uh, drums, yo-yoing or something. I'm trying okay. to go even farther. Yeah, right, yo-yoing. Because now And there are, everything is connected, but you're, you're basically just, you've so hard strengthened the yo-yo synapses, that neural pathway, that you're a phenomenal yo-yoer, but you haven't really practiced on it. Like,
1: they're so much better than your guitar skills. I would be like the Jimi Hendrix of yo-yos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Imagine Jimi Hendrix is still alive and that's what he did. He was like the master of the yo-yo. <laughs> the yo-yo.
2: You ever see yo-yo championships on YouTube? Incredible. Really? Incredible. It's like two yo-yos, guys going nuts. Mm. Highly recommend it. See, I could make a yo-yo ma reference,
1: yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, I thought of that too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's not a bad one.
1: Okay, so you you've gotten this more under control. You noticed yeah, it in high school. You're not doing the,
2: good at the moment. You're not doing honestly. At, no, at, yeah. This exact moment. Last, uh, what's today? Last six months. Um, you go in phases, but my the last six months for me has been about as
1: bad as it's been in the last ten years. Oh, I was I was wondering if there is there something like so. All the therapy so far is yeah. just talking therapy, right? It's no not, exposure, it's, exposure to things. So but it's not medications or anything like that.
2: Uh, I did that in the past when I was in college. A little bit of Lexapro, a little bit of Zoloft. I uh, uh, don't love the don't love it. That's my yeah. own personal. It helps a ton of people, and they're they're very beneficial. It's exposure to things like. Uh, if you're scared to like touch a subway pole, like a, a hand washing is a big OCD Everybody thing. Everybody should be scared of touching. <laughs> but here's what they'll make pole. you do because because you, uh, OCD, you, OCD people wash their hands till they bleed. Uh-huh. Like it's a pretty common, it's a pretty common OCD thing. You wash your hands over and over and over. They're very red. My hands are very red now. In the winter, they're horrific. They they look terrible. I wear more long sleeves. Obviously, in the winter, you can wear long sleeves because that's. But like in general, like my hands look terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. I so, just heard the southern accent. In oh, g- it come out a little bit. Yeah, in general.
2: Yeah, it'll come out. So. <clears throat> Um, what they'll make you do is, and cause every time you touch the subway pole, then I'm like, if I touch my nose, or my mouth, I'm getting drugs in me from my people, I'm touching with germs, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So exposure, this is what they'd have you do. They basically have you go in the subway pole and touch, uh, just grip it all over top to bottom, touch the floor, touch the ceiling, touch your face, touch mm-hmm. your eyes, touch your nose, lick the pole. Ew. And then go eat a sandwich. Like a bread, so like all that shit on your hands, right. Gets in the bread, and then you eat it, and then you drink water, so that it, and then you, what your, your anxiety is like, oh my god, I'm gonna die, am I getting sick? Blah 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 blah. Your anxiety shoots up to a hundred or ten, whatever the scale you're on, right? All the way. And then after like 10 minutes, you start to realize like, oh, I'm like, I'm not, I'm okay. I'm not dying. I'm okay. I'm like, because nothing happens from you from touching the subway pole. You know how much shit you touch every day? the day. Then you touch your face.
1: Breathing New York City Walking
2: around. It's terrible. I've been getting air alerts on my phone from AccuWeather. I don't know if you like, Uh because of the humidity and the heat. I have no alerts on my phone except for text. Yeah, much better. Much better. But the point is, it's it's exposing yourself to two things.
1: Mm Mm-hmm
2: if i'm talking too much me. So i feel like i'm no you're not just ranting it time, you're, you're so. giving
1: me a lot of ideas yeah and it is similar to nlp like here's an example where i use nlp is like um i get social anxiety too you know i'm i'm a so I'm yeah fine socially but i don't like to be social naturally okay and this expands to not just being social but i've kind of been training my brain to when i feel uncomfortable uh-huh to say oh i'm out of my comfort zone That's good because that's the place of growth. Sure. So I am keep telling myself that, all right, so look, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Uh Don't react to that by running away from it. Sure. React to that by welcoming it because that's growth. Even though it's uncomfortable. Yes, because that uncomfortable feeling is the feeling of growth. Yeah. Growth. Happens that way. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, oh, everything's new, everything is different. What's going on? It can give you anxiety, but that is what growth yeah. can feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's
2: your exposure to the situation, right? It's, it's exact a, same it's thing. Exact same exact thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Where if you keep avoiding it, you'll never get better at the social thing. You'll never. You're just, and every time you avoid it, you're creating that neural pathway. Oh, I'm safer if I don't go. Oh, I, feel like less, I feel less anxious if right. I don't go, if I'm not in the social setting. But all you're doing is fucking your brain. Every time you give into that, yeah. you're fucking yourself. Now, in the moment, you feel better because like, Ooh, I didn't have to go into that party. Whoo, I didn't have to talk to that person. Right. But you're literally fucking yourself harder because you're just creating that neural pathway where every time you go into the party and you feel uncomfortable, you feel on edge, your skin wants to crawl, you get a little whatever you're creating that neural pathway because eventually you go, I went to the party, it was fine, nothing happened, it was cool. And maybe you met someone that changed your life. Yeah, and it was even better. So when eventually you do that enough
1: times, you create that neural pathway Mm -hmm. to
2: then parties are fine, I got no problem going to parties, I'll talk to the fuck I want
1: and have a great time. And with your subway uh, example, I would even take it a step before drinking the water. Okay. When you feel the anxiety from touching the pole and all that, that anxiety you're going to react to by feeling stressed out. Uh Uh-huh. So, You feel the anxiety and stop it right there and say, oh, you know what? This time I'm not going to get stressed out. I'm going to say, this is the place of growth. Uh This is how I'm going to beat this. This anxiety doesn't mean anything. I don't have to react to it the same way I reacted to it since high school. Mm
2: Yeah, to a degree. The problem with OCD brains are they, that's, I mean, it's, it's obsessed. The, I mean, all our brains are obsessed. We're all fucking high strung with the internet and the world today. Like, but the OCD brain can't stop. That's the problem with it. Mm-hmm. But that's a good point you're making is you have to distinguish like this is, like they always tell you this too. It's like, it's not you, it's your OCD. So you have to distinguish, like you're just kind of saying, right. they're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not, I, you know, I'm Gary and I just happen to be, this nervous thing is something separate that's right. affecting me. And then you, cause if you can distance it like that. Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that's um, yeah. It's like a, a, it's kind of this concept of like, there's two of you inside of you. If you're noticing your feelings, yeah, then there's two of you inside of you. Sure. So if you're noticing your feelings, who is that other person? Yeah. Now you get into like uh,
2: ego, id, id, or you know whatever ed, whatever the fuck all this. <laughs> Steve.
1: <laughs> Steve, who is whatever this? Whatever the fuck Steve? all that psychological stuff is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you, it's interesting that. Being OCD, noticing your OCD in high school, you chose to go into a very public profession and one that is the scariest profession to most people on earth, stand-up comedy. One, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, public speaking is, yeah. Public speaking is the scariest thing. And Mm. yet you do it several times a night, every night. Yeah,
2: yeah. But, of course, as you know, I mean, you know enough comedians, like, uh, we're all, you know, OCD runs high in the comedian uh i guess on the landscape or whatever a lot of comedians have ocd mm-hmm. are diagnosed with it have been to therapy for it take medication for it do all the, all the like it's a, you know and plus just humans and i think you know everybody's got their own thing every human's got their own fucked up shit and it's just comics are
1: open to talk about it but there's you know? so much out of your control when you're on stage and you're all alone yes in no. the audience yes and no do you feel like stuff is totally
2: in your control uh, more and more, the more I do it, more it's in more in my control. The vibe you carry with you, yeah. what place I'm playing to put, it's all energy. So you're connecting, um, you're connecting yourself with that energy. Like I, I'm not gonna, certain. Shows my God, like, oh, super far. There's no money. It's like a shitty bar. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really like I, I, the people are like kind of like not great. I like I like almost everybody. But there's something like I'm like that person feels negative. I'm like I'm not gonna put myself in that environment. I don't need to. Right. I, if I do myself at like a good comedy club and like it's like you know what I'm saying. So like then you are in control because you're choosing. I came over here because I know you. Yeah. I, I just it's like I'm not gonna go to a random house where we are right now. I don't yeah. know if you want people to know if it's a, where you do the podcast. <laughs> I'm like you don't have to give my exact yeah address, no, no, yeah. But I'm saying I'm not gonna just go. I, but I've made it. I put my Myself in this position because I know you I know what you're about as much as I can
1: right? Uh, y- you know so you do have control by where you put yourself on stage but you can go to the same comedy club and have a great audience then go back the next night or sure. even the next show the sure. late show is a bunch of jerk drunk jerks yeah i can't you can't always dictate that kind of stuff but hopefully if you're at a
2: place a good establishment like the staff will tell them the quiet it's your chances about like this ceiling could fall in on us i don't fucking know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i coming with the chance that i think this it looks like a sturdy building it's a nice place i'm pretty sure it's gonna be good you know what i mean like you just gotta make your best calls and listen things happen maybe maybe the fire alarm starts going off in this building because someone's and you got it we all have to evacuate and stay on the street for 30 minutes I can't say it's not going to happen, but I, you know, things do happen in life. So a heckler does yell shit at you, but I'm more, but I, if, a, if an alarm goes off in this apartment right now, yeah. I'm prepared for it. I'll walk down the flight of stairs and fucking go outside. Right. So the same thing with the heckler. I'm
1: prepared to know, you know, 'Cause you what how, do. how many years have you been doing stand up? Thirteen. Thirteen. Looks so you, like two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have enough experience where you know how to deal with it. Yeah, you life. got your tricks.
2: It's like anything else in life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like when you learn to drive, you can't fucking go around your block, but then you as you get older, you can drive on highways and interstates and cities and sidewalks. Uh, yeah, sidewalks if you want. The law. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like anything else in life, I think. Okay, so in, let's we're gonna keep this train here. Whatever you wanna do, yeah. Yeah, this is good. I mean I could talk to you about one subject forever, but let's I wanna yeah. get I wanna get your history. Whatever you wanna your, do. Your lifespan. Mm-hmm. So uh growing up in Georgia, yep. Uh high school, yeah. O C D hits, did you know you wanted to do stand up? Didn't even know and it was I, a thing. There's no real arts in my hometown. Uh it's the south, so like
2: if you do theater, like you're called gay. And this is uh, twenty years ago, so no, you know, it's like theater was just uncool in my mm-hmm. hometown there's not an art scene i mean there's now a little but not not were musicians cool uh there was very few i didn't i knew like a couple kids in bands that right. like played out of their garage and stuff but like yeah that's cool but there's not a lot of arts just in general arts aren't stressed in my hometown yeah so you had no exposure to stand up pretty much zero to any arts right. no real painting classes no real art cl- nothing mm-hmm. just kind of just like you go to school, you get decent grades. I play a lot of sports. Sports are bit, you know, it's Course. the South. Football, soccer, baseball, basketball. That shit's huge. Right. You know? Uh, yeah. Did you go to college? Yeah. What'd you go to college for? I did one year. Oh, uh, what I go for? Yeah. Uh, I majored in political science. So were you interested in
1: that in high school?
2: Yeah, kind of. I like people. I like people. and mm-hmm. I. Um, but the government shit pisses me off. Like, that's a whole different story. But you studied political science. That's why I have a degree in is political degree. science. Yeah, and then I have a, a theater minor, where I went and didn't have a major at the time. Mm-hmm. I would have majored in theater once I found it, but they didn't have it, and then I was already like a
1: year out toward you know to graduate. So your introduction to theater and arts were in college. College, one hundred percent. Yeah. Do you remember the first exposure you had to it?
2: Yeah, I it took, uh, took drawing one on one. Drawing. Yeah, because they because I never did anything like that, and so I took. I there was like my sophomore year I took drawing 101 I think I took an improv like you know intro to improvisation or something I took like three or four art classes cuz I never basically I went out for the football team I made it as I was like a walked on as kicker I never even played football yeah. I, I just I played soccer and so then I was like you grew up with your mom and dad just my mom just your mom yeah no dad my dad uh like was away from our family. I'll just say like from the time I, I don't even remember, maybe I was six, eight, something like that, ten. I don't have very many memories of it. Your parents got divorced, yeah, and were you in touch with him uh up for a little while, but not uh once i I used to do every other weekend with my dad, and then uh it just kind of like slowly faded away. you
1: st- just stopped being in contact with each other
2: yeah i don't want to talk about it too i've talked about it in the past a lot i don't i don't terribly want to delve into too much of it at the moment but let's just he just wasn't like throughout kind of my high school not really there right and then from then on yeah so your mom never exposed you to
1: drawing or the theater we just
2: didn't have my town's not that's not what my town is about it's just not really i mean there are obviously like art studios and stuff there but it's just it's not like new york or like a major
1: hub where there's like oh there's like it's just not stressed. Right. This is the South. Like I've I've said this on this podcast several times by now. I'm sure, but like how one person can change the whole your whole life. You know, if there was one person in your high school that was like, "Hey, Lance, check yeah. out this comedy yeah. tape," it would have just changed your whole life. One person. Yeah. With one sentence. Yeah. It's crazy to me.
2: I had a my college professor uh, Karen Berman is her name. She. Uh, she, she was, like, like, my first kind of art teacher, like, for improv and a couple of different acting, like, intro kind of things. Changed my life. because yeah. She was, she she's, like, my, probably one, I would say, one of my best teachers I ever had, hands down. Because she, um, no matter what I did, she allowed it. You could do the weirdest fucking thing, and mm-hmm. she would be like, That's awesome. Right. And like the experiment to be able to do it, because then people are like, Oh, you can't draw that, or you can't do that, or you can't say that. Or, she was there, like, as long as you were creating stuff, she would, uh,
1: she would be supportive, and it could not be. That's literally why I'm a comedian today. Like, uh, that's the best lesson yeah. because the, the biggest uh, hindrance to creativity is the critical mind. Yeah. They, yeah. they can't work side by no, side. it sucks. Sucks. She allowed
2: anything, whatever. You, if you wanted to, like, literally stand on your head and then, like, throw paint at the ceiling, she would say it was the coolest, most innovative, interesting, and that just allowed you to experience and try things. Yeah, so you have
1: the freedom to just output yeah. more and more creative stuff. Yeah, and then that's how you can get in, into some really yeah and from, groundbreaking stuff. From there, I started taking public speaking classes. I took public speaking
2: twice. Nobody does that; like, yeah. it's stupid. <laughs> That's because my grandfather told me, he goes, if you can public speak, you can like do anything in life. And mm-hmm. literally, so I took it that twice. I took multiple acting classes. Then I became a theater minor because I just started getting like, once I found that, I was like, this is what I'm doing now. So you abandoned the political science? Did yeah. You, did you want to be a politician? I didn't really know, you know, it's, uh, I just liked people and I thought I'd be a senator and like, I'd go to lunch. That's literally my thought. I just go to lunch with people and like shake hands. Like, that'd be cool. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't give a fuck. Like politics, I, and even now we're in a whole different, you know, that's a whole different thing.
1: Yeah. Do you yeah. follow politics?
2: Uh, just some headlines, but in general, I, I don't even, I don't really know what's going on cause I don't, I don't think the public is giving enough information. So you try and stay away from it. And I'm very disillusioned by it. I think a lot of it's, uh, you know, I don't vote, which my girlfriend is, like, beyond pissed at. Mm -hmm. I haven't voted in however many... I don't vote. I don't follow. I don't... Because I don't... I personally don't think any of it's real. Mm -hmm. I've worked in a lot of government things. I've worked in a big bank at one point. I've I've been enough on the inside to kind of see how things operate. And I just... I think it's all shit. And I think the general public is just pumped messages by let's say like fox news or cnn or MSNBC, it doesn't matter who it is they're all owned by big business people who are then tied to the government so it's just you're getting spit me- your spit messages to you that aren't even real and we're like i'm gonna vote on this issue because of this like dude the real thing is not there's some shit happening behind doors that's just what you're being
1: fed but people's lives are being affected in a real way i mean if you're if you're a gay person and you want to get married that change of law was affected you greatly
2: sure but i don't even i honestly don't even think votes are counted Mm-hmm. I think they're just spit a number two. It's like yeah well and I I just don't think they're counting I know that sounds kind of insane yeah I've just seen too much corruption from being someone on the inside of shit that I'm like none of this is real it's all one big fucking game
1: did, did this happen while you were studying political science in college a little bit you little started bit. to get disgusted with yeah a the... little
2: bit I had some internships uh And then just being around people, I just realized it's just one big
1: bullshit contest. Did you go to school in D.C.? I did, yeah. So you're in college in Washington, D.C., studying the beast inside the belly of the beast. And I
2: had internships in D.C., yeah. Yeah, so I could see how that could turn you off, too. Yeah, I was just too enveloped by it. Before any of the Trump stuff, I mean, this is years ago, I just like, I saw so much on the inside, I was like, this is all just some big, stupid game. Interesting, people could say, like, well, well, you're not involved in the issues. It's like, Michael, like, we all serve in different capacities in this this life, I think. So it's like, I'm just, I'm not interested. I don't, I don't, I I try and be as nice to everybody as I can. Everywhere I go, I try and make people laugh. I try and, like, that's how I best serve people, like, as opposed to getting wrapped up in issues personally. Right and uh, here's what people might say well you have the luxury of doing that because maybe you're not affected by this issue or that issue and like I just I don't think everyone has to be like up in arms about every issue like I if you're a great chef and you're like I want to make great food for people of all races of all genders of all socioeconomic of all ages I just want to make fucking great food for people to me you're doing your part you don't need to be like like, you don't have to vote on everything and be polling forever or campaigning or canvassing. You know, like, if you're a great chef, like, invest in the food. Make phenomenal food that serves people and nourishes them and makes maybe a great dining experience they feel good about. Find a way to make food cheaper for mat for the masses. Shit like that. Like, yeah. I'm more focused on my day today as opposed to, like, it, even if I read the news, like, I'll be in a good mood. And I'll be like, dude, I can't, like... Like I see people getting shot, and I'm like, dude, this just gets me depressed. I'm right. like, this sucks, and I, and and the government is so big, I don't know what to do about it. I'm right. one person, I don't know what to fucking do about. It. I think guns are horrific. I think every gun should be abolished in yeah. the whole country. Like, go ahead, sorry, I keep, I'm just. No, it's,
1: you're you're doing your part by making yeah. people laugh. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I do think you should vote, but. I'm not going to get into yeah. that with you. Yeah, but my I, girlfriend she kills me for it. She she hates it. She's like the biggest voting advocate. Yeah, you could at least vote. You don't have to follow the news if, if any of that. Just be, I don't even know what I'm voting be for. Be an informed vote, or just vote how I do. I don't and think uh, <laughs> I don't think we're informed. That's the thing. I don't uh-huh. think we're as a general public, We think we're informed.
2: Right. It's almost like this. There's um for the comedy scene for uh, I guess a reference it's like you want to get into the comedy cellar let's just say that yeah. you a, com- a comedian you move here from Ohio you want to get you heard the comedy cellar is a place you know it is you want to get in Yeah. so you just send like a DVD to the comedy cellar because that's how it works it's not how it works right. there's a back door thing that happens yeah. somebody who's there has got to go hey Gary's really funny let's, a couple people got to say we need Gary auditioning right. and the general public doesn't know that they don't know that's how that works right so I think politics is the same way we're fed a message about whatever and then shit's happening somewhere else that we don't even hear about. And so whatever I'm voting on isn't even relevant. It's not even part of the the issue or the or the the thing at hand.
1: Yeah, I think being in DC and studying it probably yeah. was ultimately a good thing for you because it it cut off the illusion of what uh yeah, politics in DC could be. Yeah. Like when I moved to Los Angeles, I was young, you know, yeah. was in my early 20s, and I was like, "Oh, wow, Hollywood this Exactly. The, these are what these are the people making decisions for Hollywood uh-huh. movies and culture. It's just some douchebag that yep. rides in a nice car from his simple house he to the studio. Shit. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. He uh-huh. doesn't interact with anybody. The real artist. Yeah. He yeah, all he's doing is he's in his car all day yep. from his house to his office. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Los Angeles. There's there's not the interaction of New York mm-hmm. City, and it kind of pulled the curtains open. Yeah. And it was a great experience for me because it just shattered. All the illusions yeah. that I had at the time.
2: I think a lot of things are. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. I used to. I've blogged for many sites over the years to like you know make money as a you know all these kind of side jobs. You're a paid blogger. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I was blogging for one site. I've been. I'm 35. I've been mm-hmm. skateboarding since I was four years old. I know a couple professional skateboarders. Yeah. I surf. I know a couple professional surfers. I know this inside and out. I wrote a blog on skateboarding and like somebody like uh, like a 21 year old editor, like. Like, who did never skateboard, jacked my article up and made me look like a jackass. Not that it matters, but like, that's what I'm saying. The media, a lot of things are like, because that's just that person creating content that needs to be pumped out. And she edited all these incorrect things about skateboarding. She's never skateboarded. I can just tell by the way she edited it. Right. Like, I skateboard. I've been skateboarding for 31 years. Yeah. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Don't fuck my article. <laughs> so, my point is, yeah, I don't know what the point is. I went a little tangent to you, but it just. Well,
1: you realize how imperfect the uh, world is. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, and I'll give you one last example on to your Hollywood thing. So when I was in college, one of my few jobs I had, they were in a, I interned at the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division and then the Disability Rights Section. Mm-hmm. Pretty like helpful, badass. The the people I work for are fucking great, right? And then I don't even know how much I should talk about this to be honest, but <clears throat> <clears throat> it's been past seven years. I think it's okay. That's how it works. And I, the people I work for are phenomenal. Basically, here's what I got disillusioned. But one of the reasons I got disillusioned. So our thing, we're reading cases for the Americans for Disabilities Act, which is like wheelchair ramps and elevators for people with like crutches, wheelchair, and make sure everything's like... Uh, compliant in buildings that, like, like everyone to make can. life easier exactly. for people with disabilities and I was basically in this basement at the Department of Justice and there's just hundreds of filing cabinets hundreds th- million, like thousands of letters and my job was to kind of look at go through some of these complaints be like hey I went to eat at Chili's in uh, you know Pennsylvania and the Chili's didn't have a wheelchair ramp Whoa. so I'm writing and a big government formal you know complaint letter and I'm, I would read these I would open up these cases some of them were like 10 years old no one ever read them and there were millions of these right? millions and I was like dude no one's even and all these people had written these big. I went to Chili's, and then like I couldn't get up, and then I was stuck in the hall for thirty-five minutes because no one could help me. And I'm like, dude, this is the saddest thing. And no one, the government, they were just like, so it's like, even like writing a letter to your government. A lot in my mind, just fucking sits in a bank. No one, some intern catalogs that we got twenty-five today. They put in a thing, and then ten years later, someone like me opens up, and then I would call these people with disabilities. Yeah, and think about a lot of people with disabilities, they have other health issues. Right, right. A lot of these people would be passed away. So I would call to try and reopen a thing. Like, hey, I'm trying to see this case from. Nineteen what, ninety-two or
1: whatever, and they died in
2: the chilies. And, and they would go, "Yeah, this person died." so I'm like, "Dude, we can't even help. Like, what a
1: shame." Yeah, and that's just one of my experiences I had that upset me. Well, there's just so many people. Maybe if they got like you know hundreds about one particular chilies. If people maybe. are dying in a hallway in a Chili's, yeah, in Louisiana, yeah, maybe the government would do something. Yeah,
2: yeah. And social media now—social media wasn't what it was then when I right. was doing it. So now there's a whole different game being played. But I just—I'm very disillusioned by the whole government, the whole process. I worked at J.P. Morgan for a couple months at one mm-hmm. point. That's a huge bank that's tied to all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at Hardball with Chris Matthews, you know, political TV show. Yeah. Um, what did you do there? Uh, that was just interning. That was just a summer intern. But you know, That's you still see, on TV, You right? see th- yeah. It's been around forever. Yeah. You just see things, and you. I don't know. I've seen enough to be unhappy. I'm so. I'm so disgusted by the government and the way so many things are run that I. I just get upset, and I don't. I don't know how to get rid of guns. I think guns are the dumbest thing on the planet. You mm-hmm. look at stats of other. I just. you uh, Real quick, you look at stats of other countries like gun deaths versus you know it's it's just stupid it couldn't be dumber and I don't know how to, and I, every time one person gets shot I'm like dude what are we doing right. like when kids get shot like we're not even protecting kids what the fuck are we doing right. and be like oh we still need
1: our guns I'm like dude you're a fucking idiot like what are you talking about get rid of all guns now that statistic where more kids died in high schools than in the US military horrific in 2017 horrific
2: I don't know how to fix this issue and I get so enraged that you know what I can try sure, to go protest for guns or go on a march and those are all great things I, I you know although I don't even believe half of the government, like, you know, voting and shit's real. Right. But, like, I can better serve by hopefully making people laugh. I can on this podcast and talked about OCD. Maybe that helps somebody else out later. Maybe exactly. To me, this is how I can serve because it's something I can do as opposed to, like, blogging about guns forever and then, or, like, and then going, and those are all great things, too. But I'm saying, like, I feel like I can at least make some kind of concrete change to the people who listen to this,
1: to the people i interact with on a daily day basis at the deli at the restaurant the parking blah 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 and doing stand up i mean you're performing for audiences if you if you have a, if you write a joke that people are able to swallow that's yeah. anti-gun but still yeah. entertaining and then they repeat it to someone and that person sure. repeats it to two people those two people repeat yeah. it to four people yeah. and then it spreads outwards you could you could change yeah. some lines yeah and i actually i'm very ranty today so if you
2: please slow me down if i'm no, just this is great. yelling too much shit cuz you want make my job easy so, <laughs> if for comedy, I specifically don't want my comedy to be political or socio-anything. Mm-hmm. Because the way I view it is there's so much shit in the world... When you look in a room of comedy, you might be performing for five people, you might be for 500, you might be for five, it doesn't matter. When you look at a room across cross-section, every person there has problems. Some people just got, somebody just got diagnosed with cancer, somebody's going through a divorce, someone's kids don't talk to them, someone is getting evicted from their apartment, someone hates their job, someone, like, the, it goes on and on and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody has mental health issues, like all the things, there's a million issues we all have. And for me, when we come into that room, that comedy room, this is why I do comedy, amongst other things, but this is the core of why I do it at at the base of it. When we come into that room for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, and then we can make people laugh, it's a time to forget all the bullshit that we all have. And comedy brings everybody, when done correctly, in my opinion brings everybody together it brings all races together all genders together all whatever all that bullshit it's like dude we're just laughing we're just fucking enjoying ourselves so i don't want my comedy to really be like political or i want it to be like ace ventura or like dumb and dumber it's like dude fuck the world for an hour and a half let's just fucking enjoy ourselves and forget we're all... Because it, it brings everybody together. Right. When an old white lady, like, laughs next to a black dude, laughs next to a gay dude, laughs yeah. next to us, Like, it, whatever... You get what you am saying? The cross-section of people? Yeah. It's like, my God, we're all
1: just fucking human out here doing our best. And you know what? They're, After laughing together... They're way less apt to pull a gun out on each other. There you other. go. And then the, the the guy who was gonna like maybe
2: shoot up a school yeah. tomorrow is like Dad, I feel pretty good. Maybe he doesn't shoot up to school tomorrow. Maybe, maybe this he guy once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god, other <laughs> countries would say. Maybe maybe that guy who's going to beat his kid doesn't go home and beat his kid because he feels a little better about maybe the people who are stressed out at work going a little calmer the next day and have right. a better day at work and treat people so to me that's that's a skill set I've been given uh, and I believe by like a God a universe whatever you you want to call that mm-hmm. and however I can best bring that's the talent I serve right so everybody finds I'm, I read a lot of Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and stuff like uh, these I'm kind of echoing some of these guys yeah, yeah. these guys policies or whatever mm-hmm.
1: all right anyway self help yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So in college, you've taken a improv. Sure. So that's kind of the closest you're getting to stand up comedy sure. at this point. And how much did you do improv? I was in improv troupe. You were for a year. So you learned to yes and all that shit. Yeah. Short
2: form, long form improv. And then out of that, we did a game where a short form game where the audience gives a topic, mm-hmm. and you have to go out. You have to go out and stand alone, like from the back wall, and then make a pun off the topic. And the goal is, you know, crowds be like, oh, because it's the puns. Or, right. And I love that. I love that immediate reaction, coming with a pun on the spot and then having people react like, oh, it's terrible. Because there's the pun. And yeah. going up alone, that's the beginning of you that as a That's it. Stand-up. That's how I started. And the minute I was like, holy shit, you can go out there and you can say shit and people immediately respond back. Yeah. I was done. That was it. That was, and I just started going to open mics. I quit improv the next year to strictly focus on stand-up.
1: Once I found out, I was like, this is what I'm doing. What do you find the differences between stand-up and improv? Good and the bad, uh, done
2: done well. They're both phenomenal art forms. Improv mm-hmm. done well is f- phenomenal. Yeah, it's amazing. Um,
1: it's hard to find. Yeah, done well.
2: Um, stand up done well is also amazing. Improv done bad is pretty bad. Uh, bad. So, but so is stand up. You Real know. Bad. Um improvisers obviously tend to, to uh i think they're probably in general a little more positive people and tend to i'm just what do i know like i've noticed that too and love to interact with one another together as you know where stand-ups are a little more cynical a little more depressed have kind of a skewed you know cynical view of the world maybe mm-hmm. and then love to do it solo of course so and i'm generalizing grossly sure yeah, of course there's always exceptions yeah
1: yeah did you uh like working alone as opposed to working with a group is that what drew yeah, you to stand-up? Yeah, and it's a lot of it's OCD-based.
2: I control everything when I'm up there. because mm. do, I do improv, and my, somebody come out with an idea, or say, I'm like, dude, that fucking sucks. I'm right. the funny one here. What you're right. doing sucks. Like, in my mind, that's how I would be. Which isn't really accurate, but it's an OCD. When you stand-up, you're I'm in complete control. Yeah. I write it, I edit it, how I say it,
1: when I say it, I say it what I want to say, I'm in complete control of the situation. Right, yeah. I, I, did imp- I started on improv, yeah. too, and it's like, Yeah. Someone's like, oh, Gary's the turtle. I'm like, no. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Nope, not a turtle. Yeah. (laughs) I will not be crawling around the stage acting like a turtle.
2: Yeah. So. It's a different person that does improv than stand-up. It is. It's a different person. Some of them there's crossover, but you rarely find someone who does a lot of stand-up and a lot of improv. Some, yeah. I mean, there are, but you either kind of do improv or you do stand-up, you know? But you could bring those improv lessons into your stand-up. 100%. Yeah. They both, they feed each other. They're, they're, it's like playing basketball or soccer, completely different sports, but like the, the way I play basketball and soccer, the way, the way they both operate is very similar. The way you have to get wide to get a pass, the way... It's about keeping possession of the ball, too because a lot of times basketball, it's not four. They fucking pass it back. They pass, you know. It's very the game is the same basically,
1: right? But the it's completely different. One's hands, one's feet. One, yeah. What elements of improv would you say you bring into your stand Uh Just spontaneity, of course. Like that, you know, um, when things happen the moment you got to deal. You know, thinking on your feet. Do you feel um, like your improv background made you uh, more fearless? No, personally, for me, no. I see how it could for people, but not for me. How do you handle the ego rejection if a crowd doesn't like you? Don't Ever- care anymore. You don't care. Not anymore. Not at this point, because
2: I'm good at what I do, right. and I'm confident when I do. I'm good at what I do. So, uh, and and sometimes I am bad. Sometimes I'm off, as you just are in life. But I know, I know when it's me, and I know when it's the crowd. Ninety-nine uh, percent of the time, I can tell the difference immediately. Sometimes it is me. I fucking
1: stink. You know yeah but and sometimes you just have <laughs> off days as a person
2: yeah but sometimes the crowd fucking does suck too like 100 percent. yeah so but so if i know i'm good and I'm, I'm bringing my thing and i'm i i doesn't affect me at all because i know what i'm doing is good and i know i've done it enough times now because if you want to go back to like synapses i've done it literally thousands of times where i've fired like i'm good at this this joke works this joke works this joke works. so when you get and i'm delivering it properly in the right setting and, a, and the crowd doesn't like it i'm like i don't it doesn't do anything to me Right. Whereas if you're six months in, and you bomb. You know, they're like, "Oh my god, bombs!" I literally at some points couldn't get out of bed for three days. Because you bombed, curled in a ball for three days. No, I'm never going to make it in this career. No one likes me. Did everyone see that? What are people saying? And no one's doing any of that shit. But
1: that's what your mind does. Right. We tend to think people are thinking about us a lot more yeah, than they no are. No one is. <laughs> yeah. No one is at all. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you started doing stand up in college. Yeah. And uh, you went to your first open mic. How'd you do? Uh, it was the funniest person on campus. You know. So that's how like at, at school what do you wait what do you mean you, you were voted funniest person no no
2: it was a competition the funniest man on campus oh, okay uh they called it was the funniest person or it might have been man because times were you know <laughs> the funniest per, it might have been funniest person whatever well you know funniest person on campus right anyone could sign up do three minutes five minutes whatever you know
1: did, did you, you have material yeah you did I did great you wrote jokes yeah i did great was it similar to what you are now with one-liners kind of yeah I wrote college jokes. If
2: you're in college, so what about Chicken Finger Thursday? That shit sucks, doesn't it? You fucking crush. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, And then I went to a second open mic in, in Maryland because DC Maryland's the same, you yeah. know. And I was like, I went into the room. I still know the guy and he, I, I'm still friends with him. I go in and he was like, I was like, hey, I'm here for the open mic. And he was like, and I go, yeah, I've done this before. I was cocky as shit. After one open mic? Yeah. <laughs> at my college where the crowd is like
1: <laughs> on your side basically so I go, yeah i
2: do this mic and i literally i bombed so hard and it was like being punched in the chest i feel like i was punching the chest yeah and then i bombed for the next 50 times straight
1: now after this that. is a, this is common for yeah. stand-ups yeah they they do well the first time yeah and then it's heartbreaking yeah. after that because you have no expectation Yeah, first zero, time yeah
2: it was your expectation i went in this maryland thing it's all kinds of, it wasn't my college friends or it was like all kinds of people You're right. going out a loud rowdy bar where the maybe the spotlight's weird. Maybe it doesn't, maybe the TV's on. Right. Maybe. And then people don't give a fuck. They're drinking. So yeah. like, and I literally bombed for the next 50 times in a row. But what kept me going was every time I, I've, never, I've never, I shouldn't say never, but I always got a laugh. I always got one laugh.
1: Or amidst two the laughs. bomb
2: Yeah I could bomb for five minutes I always said one line That was kind of funny And you know You audio record Then I go That's, it worked Right And then you just Slowly build from there And then over Oh there's two lines That are funny I got two lines That are funny now And then like Because I, w- I would never Just go eat it You see these people Who just eat it And you're like Dude well, you stink <laughs> like, Yeah yeah not in, It's like dude what, You're not getting any laughs Like you don't belong here But
1: sometimes people Don't notice like that's so, someone who's unaware. Like you, you must have seen someone bomb and then get off thinking they did they did well. Still see it? We talking about I see it every week. You do? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm like, dude, you. They're like, man, that was. I'm like, dude, you ate it.
1: Like, I'm not going to tell them, but I'm like, dude, you.
2: That was terrible.
1: No one laughed. People hated it. What do you think happens when they listen back to their recording? Do they hear laughter where there's dead silence? That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I
2: don't know. Did you? I don't know what they hear. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're fucking gone. I'm out of my mind. I'll admit that to anyone who meets me. I'm, I'm losing my mind. You are losing. Your I'm mind. losing it. Like why? My OCD's off the charts. Uh-huh. Like off the charts. I'm not happy about a lot of stuff I've said on this podcast. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, like, and it, but I've also been very aware, very clear. Very, I'm here. You've been great on this podcast. Yeah, but I, but to me, it's not right. It's just is not right.
1: But are you that critical with yourself always? Every moment of my day. Does the OCD follow you on stage? Everywhere. How does it? How does it? How does it manifest itself on stage? You've got your jokes. You my time, I
2: put my my. When I'm on, I'm as good as anybody that does this art form. Mm-hmm. I'll confidently say that. Uh-huh. Problem is, I'm not always on, as none of us are. Right. But I'm so particular about my timing, about my joke writing, about what I do. I'll put it up against anybody. It comes so my as we all are. All comics are that way. But uh, it's the it's my style of the way I write now. I write very choppy one liners because I got to get a laugh every so often to do. Yeah, you know, um, that's the way I built my style based off that Mm -hmm. it's perfection. It's it's OCD is just perfectionist thinking. That's all it is. Do you feel the OCD hit you while you're on stage? I don't. I rarely have a moment in my life where I don't. I'm not super worried about every everything, every possible thing. The only time it doesn't happen is when I play sports. Um. sometimes in if I'm doing a long set and I get rolling in this podcast I feel pretty good like I felt you can tell I'm much more maybe clairvoyant than when we started I was a little distracted because yeah. now we're into it I'm a little more in a flow Um. but the but the um, you know literally something like playing, a, like playing basketball I can get into that and lo- lose my mind in something like that right yeah because it's, it's fast, rapid pace. Because there's, no, there's, there's no time to think about you got passing and shooting and running and defending. and There's no time to think about the bullshit of the stove being on fire or whatever the dumb shit is.
1: Right. Well, that's the thing about doing yeah. stand-up on stage. If you're delivering jokes and addressing the audience and yeah. then your critical brain is saying, Oh, that wasn't that great. Yeah. You, you did that a little too fast. Yeah. If that's going on simultaneously while you're on to your next joke, yeah. the audience could pick up on 100%. That. Yeah, 100%. So you've got, you got to get that out of your mind somehow. Yeah. Uh yeah. Or just let it roll off your shoulders. You gotta know how to harness it.
2: I, I mean I think I think when I'm on I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of us cause of us become so particular about it's I mean it's one of the reasons our show that I used to run was so good yeah. you know, amongst other things. Because it was fucking it was on point. Yeah. Shit was not when you went in there the air conditioner uh, was it on 68 degrees I, or 64 I had the, the exact temperature set the chair I sat in every chair in our venue to see how far apart people's knees would be between the next row every chair I sat in uh-huh. um, the lighting very specific uh, literally off you know very minute on everything yeah Um. And yeah I mean I've
1: seen you dozens and dozens yeah, of times yeah Absolutely.
2: and they're not all good by any means but like when I'm on I'm fucking my shit is on point the timing is on point totally things, and that's literally all OCD yeah your it's,
1: experience plays very yeah. well yeah absolutely. yeah no thank you and that that's OCD doing that interesting because I don't it doesn't come across that way at all that's Not the thing all. it's an illusion that's an art you know it's a craft mm-hmm. you know so you started in DC yeah and is that when you moved to New York so I,
2: I started my junior improv sophomore year stand-up junior year and then I came to New York for an internship between junior and senior year of college what, then, was that the
1: Chris Matthews internship?
2: No, I interned at MTV for a summer. Okay. Um, so you like, well. got politics. I'm
1: going yeah, full they, the yeah, other way. Yeah, I started at Department of <laughs> Justice, then yeah. hard
2: about Chris Matthews, media and politics, and I went full entertainment. <laughs> right. They're like that. on
1: MTV cribs. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I started to open mics when I was here in New York. Mm-hmm. And then when I, when I was in DC, here's a cool little story. I was walking on the street. <clears throat> I was about to graduate. Everyone I was in school with is become a lawyer. Uh, they're all politics, lawyer, work at a big firm, a lobbyist thing. Uh, you know these kind of jobs. And I was like, man, maybe I'll go to law school. I don't know what to fucking do. Right. And I, I was graduating in a couple of weeks, and I had no. At this point, I had missed the law. I don't know. You know, I had no job. No, I had nothing. i was about to graduate college. Everyone else already has their. Future oh yeah, lined they have up. job offers and where they're going to live in San Francisco, whatever the fuck they're going to do. Yeah. I have no job offers. I'm walking around like I'm, like, I'm going to do comedy. I'm like I'm going to do comedy, it was just absurd, right? Like, you could argue so <laughs> <Yes. clears throat> I'm walking around DC I'm like should I move to LA and like just go do that should I like and a couple comics had told me I should move to New York the people I knew they're like go to New York and get you know and then I was like maybe I'll stay in DC and get do this thing here because I know it and figure this out for a couple years mm-hmm. I was walking on the street uh, I'm walking around Georgetown and and I run into I'm just walking down an alley basically and then I walk I'm by myself and I walk by and Dave Chappelle is just standing there, like, and this is when, this is 2006. He had either just gone to Africa, uh, whatever it is. He's the biggest, and he still is. Right, he's the biggest comedy star on the planet. Yeah, this is when the Chappelle Show was like, the, you know, whatever, around that time. And I'm walking on the street, and he's just smoking a cigarette with a friend. Now, literally, if he would have been two blocks over, he would have been mobbed. But it just happened to be this. And I'm about to graduate in a week, right? And I'm walking by, and I pass him, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Dave Chappelle!" Yeah. And then I, I walked back, and I was like, "Hey, man, you're Chappelle, right?" <laughs> like, yeah, you would say dumb shit, yep, you know? Yep. You're like, and he goes, "Yeah." And I go, "I go, you got a, c- a couple minutes?" He's like, no, nah, not really. Man. I'm kind of busy." He was talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. Understand? Very understandable. And I go, well, I'm a comic, and I'm trying to like figure. And he perked up a little bit. Then we had we had three or four minutes of, and I was like, I'm about to graduate here from school. Like, do I stay in D.C.? Do I stay in? New- do I go to New York? Do I go to L.A.? And he goes, Fuck L.A. That shit sucks. Like, he hates Hollywood, right? right He's right. very anti Hollywood. I think that's probably pretty well known, amongst you know whatever. And then he goes, Go to New York, get on stage as much as you can. And I'd already heard that from other comics in general. Yeah. But I took this as kind of like a sign from you know you know the world does things happen things happen to you in life you know yeah. and i'm like dude i'm about to graduate in a week i don't know what i'm going to do I'm walking, out, and if he was two blocks over, couldn't have touched him. There'd right. Been 500 people around him. Yeah. I happen to just walk down past the biggest comedy star on the planet and go, what do I do? I, I'm getting, I'm like, what do I do? Chappelle, what do I do? Mm. I take that as a sign from God or whatever, universe, light, how, whatever it means to you if you believe in those kind of things. Yeah. You don't have to. Everybody's got their, you know. But for me, I take that as a very direct sign. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That's fucking pretty badass. And then I graduated and I went home to Georgia for one week and then I bought a one-way ticket to New York. I set up, I knew a couple people who had, were moving here to, from college. I had one or two other people I kind of vaguely knew. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a great little thing, too. I basically, Abby Crutchfield went to the same college as me, another comedian. Yep. I kind of vaguely knew her. She was ahead of me about a couple years. And I was like, hey, I'm coming to New York. Can I maybe like sleep on your floor or couch? And I did that with a couple people. Can I sleep on your floor a couple, a couple weeks or a couple, you know, a couple days to figure it out? And then she goes, not with me, but you can stay with my boyfriend, who's Luke Thayer. Yeah. And so I basically arrived to New York with one suitcase. I have no job. I have no place to live. I just have a big ass suitcase with all the shit I can jam in there. I fly to New York, one way ticket. And I basically, Luke was working a job at the time. He can i never met the guy. Yeah. Uh, and he, like, I dropped midday. It's like 3 p.m. He comes down from where he's working, grabs my suitcase, and, like, takes it back up to his work until he gets off that particular job he was doing at the time. Wow. And now I'm just walking around New York. I've just given my stuff to a random guy yeah. who I don't know uh with no job, no place to live. And then uh from there I like I stay with him I think for a couple he was the first one. Yeah, upon arriving, in New York, I stayed with him that night. I probably stayed with him for about a week. It blow up air mattress or whatever. It's great accommodations for you know awesome when you first move here. Yeah, it's very helpful unless it leaks. Yeah, right. But it was actually a good one. And then and then I stayed I stayed with him for like a week. And then I stayed with like another friend I'd gone to school with. He I stayed in his couch for a little bit. And the whole time I'm just looking for an apartment. That's all I'm doing every right. day. I'm just hitting it. Craigslist. You're looking at You know, you're doing it, playing that game. Yeah. Found an apartment in New York. After like two three weeks, move in there. Next day, immediately, I start, I'd i worked at a comedy club in D.C. The D.C. Improv is a doorman, okay. just seating people. Yep. Um, so then I, when I got to New York, I went to every comedy club with a resume. I'll clean your bathrooms. I just want to be around comedy, as I was in D.C. Right. Ended up getting a job at Caroline's in the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, $8 an hour, whatever it was at the time. I don't know what... I, I don't know. It's like, a, you know it's, a, it's like a young college kid job. Yeah, you but know? you get to see all these comics. It's, it's the best place you can be. It's a yeah. phenomenal opportunity. So now I, now I have an apartment in New York, and I have a job in New York, and I'm also temping. So I only did the box office a couple of days a week. The other times of the day, I I, I was temping at places, you right. know, all these data entry, all the things you do when you move here. So literally, and I just, from there, slowly... And I literally texted Luke today. Luke's one of my best friends in New York. I, like... Uh, yeah basically i came here on you know as a lot of us do with no, nothing no opportunities no nothing i did not really know anyone here no foot in the doors anywhere or stuff like that that's amazing
1: and now look i've arrived yeah you made the, on here the on gary this... hour <laughs> 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 so you got to, so working at the dc improv you must have gotten good experience just watching great comics Oh, uh, amazing so uh, and and touring comics comic comics that aren't from dc yeah because the headliner shows so right. here's what i would do there i worked i worked the uh
2: i would work i would take tickets like tuesdays and thursdays and we take tickets it's a two-hour shift mm-hmm. maybe that was eight dollars hour. maybe i'm getting whatever this is years ago before minimum you know all that w- wage like and when you're a college kid it's a great job yeah but here's, i think it was a two-hour shift i think it was eight dollars an hour maybe
1: hey uh, that's sixteen dollars yeah. a
2: shifts but my class <laughs> would end at like i'd have to take a cab to work and then it would be so late, i have to finish my homework so I'd get up for class. Right. So I'd take a cab to work and home. I would lose like 10 or $12 every <laughs> shift I worked. But I went because I would wa- then I would just watch the show. Right. I literally went and I was just around comedy. And I, would, I would see people for two hours. I'm getting to know people, the staff, uh, other comics from D.C. that are big comics, you know. And then I'd watch the headliner for free. Mm-hmm. And when you're a young comic, that's an invaluable experience. And who, then what? Go ahead.
1: Who were the ones that left the biggest impression on you?
2: uh the one that really hit me the heart i saw and still early on i've only been doing stand-ups you know four months to whatever i saw ron white it was kind of the first time i saw sold out room mm-hmm. uh and he was huge he's coming off that like you know uh jeff fox all that all that tour stuff he was um, i mean he's still huge but he was like he was kind of he was hot like real hot right that buzz and i remember standing in the back and the place was sold out and people were just bowled over laughing I never seen it like that I, I did not laugh once I stood in the very back with my eyes open and my mouth completely hanging open I was like, cold I just couldn't believe what I was watching right that one person was doing this to, I I did not laugh I literally was just astonished at like the whole thing it's such an amazing thing to see it's unreal it? it's unreal when it when it, yeah when one person can just have a room just roaring it's like it doesn't popcorn. make sense it doesn't make sense yeah it's like magic it's like seeing someone cut in half like i don't know
1: what i just saw i don't i'm i i'm blown i have to leave Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah it always makes me feel like when when a crowd is like really laughing hard i feel like i'm inside of a popcorn container yeah in the microwave it doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah it makes no sense when that happens it's amazing so, that's that's really good experience. The best. Yeah. The best. So, you moved to New York. You got a, gig, got, got a job at Caroline's. I'm timing during the day, working at Caroline's a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, maybe some off days of the temp job. And then at nighttime, same thing. Now, I'm at Caroline's watching watching shows. And now, I'm also, I've, I've gotten to know the staff at Caroline's. I'm now performing at Caroline's on all the new talent shows, on some of the showcase shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm on, I'm on shows with, you know, there's, it's a bringer type situation where there's new comics like myself and then there's also pros on so I'm starting to meet some of these comics they're like so you did a couple bringers at first I didn't bring anybody though because I worked at the club so they just throw me up for five minutes they just just kind of put me on the show nice kick ass and these had 200 people in them 250 people and I'm at Caroline's I'm 21 I'm 22 at this point
1: I have would stand up a year. I'm 22. You've probably seen before the footage of the legendary comics with the Carolines behind. All that them shit. The, the I'm colors. at Car- and I'm performing at Carolines a lot. I'm performing at Carolines
2: like kind of twice a night, like four days a week. Wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was or, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was. I was performing at Carolines like like six, eight times a week. Great stage experience. Could not be two hundred people in the crowd. Sometimes mm-hmm. three hundred. They were selling out these new talent That's a shows. Big room. And and like I'm a new and I would literally then I would do. This is where OCD gets you, like where it helps you in a way. My thought process was if I do this more than everybody else, I'll be better than everybody. The repetition, the more I do it. So I would do a new talent show at Caroline's at 7. Then I would jump in a cab, run down to an open mic somewhere, and they would let me get on usually pretty quick because I'd come from Caroline's. I, I, you get to know people like, no. oh, he's got to go. And because I had to go back to Caroline's for the 9 o'clock show. So I take a cab back to Caroline's for the 9 o'clock, the new talent show. And then I would go take a cab from there to another open mic somewhere. So I would do two Caroline, like on a Monday, I would do two Caroline spots and I would run down and do two open mics somewhere else. And I just racked up my credit card Mm -hmm. because my thought was I'm investing in myself. I'm I'm about to be 35 in like three weeks. I still am paying off that credit card stuff. I'm still accumulating credit card debt and paying off from when I did all that. Kudos to you for investing in yourself. A lot of people wouldn't even do that. Because you have to have the belief that you're gonna you're gonna yeah. do it. Like I like I did a podcast recently. Well, I shouldn't say recently, but I did a podcast one time, and someone goes, "What do you want to do in this in this business?" And I go, "I'm gonna headline theaters." And they started laughing at me, and I was like, I go, "I'm gonna headline theaters. You watch. I'm yeah. gonna headline theaters." And I and I'm now in the past six months a year, like I headline places. Yeah. I legit headline. I toured all over the country, like not huge rooms, not a couple of them had 150 people, 200, but I headline rooms. Yeah. I've been headlining the last like three, four years on and off, but the last six months or a year, I've been headlining a fair amount. Like I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. You have to have this belief that like, it's not about being cocky, it's not about having a big ego. It's like you have to have a belief like, I'm going to do this. I will headline theaters. I will be the guy you pay on a Saturday night to buy a ticket a month out. You're excited and you want to see that and you're going to go see me perform.
1: That is what's happening. Yeah, a lot of people are like, Waiting around for someone else to invest in them,
2: yeah, or they're like, oh, you don't make money in comedy. You don't like, you make a lot of money in comedy. At uh, listen, the base levels, no. But we, the people who make money, you, you don't think, I mean, you can you can name drop, you know, Kevin Hardy. I mean, now I'm naming right. the biggest stars on the planet. But there's a lot of people who are not famous that you never heard of who are making fucking two fifty a year, right. 300000 a year. Yeah. A couple of these people are making like one one two million. 2000000 They don't, no, they're not famous. They've just got a couple of TV spots. They're touring. They're doing their thing. They're mm-hmm. maybe doing something on serious. They're maybe doing, they're fucking making money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's possible.
1: Yeah, because there's other areas that you branch out to. 100%. Do. Acting, all that shit. And you're doing a lot of that now. A fair amount, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been to host three podcasts. I go on commercial
2: auditions all the time. Some bit acting things and whatnot. You're doing this uh, man on the
1: street, man on the street
2: stuff for CNBC. Little video projects. I did stuff for Condi Nast, CNBC.
1: You know, video projects that you get paid to do. Some pay better than others, but you know. Yeah, reading your uh, bio, there's yeah. like every network mentioned that you, <laughs> every network there is mentioned that you worked for. It seems. I've
2: done some shit for you know for a bunch of different. I shouldn't say shit, but like you know different mm-hmm. you know stuff. Bit, yeah, bit parts, <laughs> hosting thing. You know, I'm constantly doing that. That's what you have to do. That you know, that only helps you build your brand, build your you know whatever.
1: Yeah. So you started to get on your feet in New York. Your yeah. own apartment, your own, you work in. Yeah. And now it's been what thirteen years later? Twelve years in New York. Twelve years in New yeah. York, right? Yeah. So you're supporting yourself with your art. Yeah,
2: I squeak by every month. Mm-hmm. I'll be 35, and I squeak by. And I mean, then, and then when I can't squeak by, it goes on my credit card. <laughs> the, difference, the when I start looking at like, well, I got to pay rent in a month or two. I start. I pretty much live off my credit card, and some months I pay more on it than I. Then I, I've rolled over credit cards onto no interest for like 18 months or 12 Balanced months. transfers. And then, and then when that comes around, I got to deal with that. Like, yeah, I've, it's been a fucking real nightmare of like figuring, but I somehow squeaked by because I do a financing with, con, like, you know, if you book a commercial, like I booked a commercial recently, I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't know if I, you know, I booked a commercial recently, hasn't aired and it was supposed to air. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the heartbreaking thing about entertainment. It will air. You can't air. celebrate yeah. your yeah, things until, until like, it whatever. already happens. <laughs> but I'm getting, and I'm, I'm a member of SAG. I had to join because I've booked a couple commercials now. I've become yeah. a must-join. But I'm getting, because it hasn't aired yet, and it's going to air. I believe it's going to air. But I keep getting holding checks for doing nothing. The SAG minimum of, anyway, this is very standard. Information. I'm not saying anything that, like, but I get a check and it goes through my agent and then it comes to me. So all the taxes are out and all the agency fee. I get a check every thirteen weeks for five hundred and is it fifty three dollars something like that? It's, you can look it up online. It's a very right. public knowledge. Yeah, that's just what SAG the 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 thing is. So I'm like I'm just getting every thirteen weeks. Not that mm-hmm. that's a lot of money when you do that math because that's every four months. Three three months. Three. So it's three not months, like, yeah. but it's like, hey, when you, you get a random check for almost six hundred bucks, like, well, this doesn't hurt me here. Yeah. Then if I can make another eight hundred on stand up during that month. Yeah. And then if I do one or two weird kind of acting things, or me, uh, you know, you're not supposed to do things if
1: you're in SAG, but like everyone fucking does it because you're you're killed otherwise. Um, I mean, you're you're living in New York, supporting yourself with your art, and you drove here. You have a car. You've like you're like a, a millionaire. Uh, no. You're like a New York millionaire. Yeah, I have access. I'm not gonna say how, I have access
2: to a car for a little while. It's not, uh, not my car. I will just say I have access to a car. Oh well, that's, then it's good you're checking under, make sure. Yeah, no one's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have access to a car at the moment. We'll just say that. I, just, I don't own a car. I don't have a car. Okay. I just happen to have access to a car. And that's New York. You get in these weird situations where you just happen to get access to an apartment or a car, or a, you know, right. weird things happening new york Mm -hmm. but the point in in the months that i might fall short i start dumping i pretty much pay everything on my credit card so then all i gotta do is kind of like make my rent Mm -hmm. and then uh, my credit card just racks up and literally i've had credit card debt since i moved to new york and some, I've gotten it down, I've gotten it down almost to pay, you know, close to paying off. Yeah. And I've been fucking in scary zones. And right now I'm kind of hovering in a medium zone. I'm yeah. not, not scared of it. Uh, I also need to start bringing it down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So
1: you, you do your own booking, you book some road shows.
2: Yeah, as far as stand-up goes, yeah. yeah. I've had some pseudo-managers that, you know, and there's different booking people on the road that will book me on one-nighters and stuff like that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the next step? Like, what do you do? I'm all about I'm all about a following now. I've done every hot show you're supposed to do in this city. I ran, and I'm not like one of the hottest shows in this city for many years. And yeah. people, it's very public knowledge. A show we ran, the Gandhi Show. Um, and uh, I've done, I've done all the clubs. At one point, mm-hmm. uh, literally every club I've done. I've been in it some years,
1: and in it other places, you, you know. Well, for any comics listening or people that want to do comedy, I mean, I feel like a lot of comedians don't know what to do besides try to get on stage. But you can basically waste your life away doing the same open mic. You know, you have to like spread yourself around. It's all about making your own thing at this point. Because Mm -hmm. I am a, I'll
2: just say this, entertainment business, uh, it goes in waves, what it it wants, what it needs, what it, I am a, I'll be in three weeks, I'll be a 35 year old balding straight white male. Uh No one's coming for me. I'm the last thing that people are picking out. People want a 21 year old who's like, you know, MTV type stuff, and, and like into like, you know, millennial types. I'm not that guy. No one is coming for me. No matter how many times I crush on stage, hey, it could happen. You never lose in the crowd. They need they need me for a role, but no one's coming for the, the mid 30s guy uh-huh. or the 42 year old man. No one's coming for that person. Mm-hmm. They're coming for the 19 year old who like can be put into VH1, MTV, can be on these shows. So it has to all come down to, I'm not saying anything that, yeah. You know, this is like, this is just what the business is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like being
1: an actor. Like Are you sure you're not reinforcing a negative thing? How? By saying no one's coming for oh, me. Oh, to no myself. To yourself. No, but it's where I've arrived because it's like,
2: because when I'm on, I'm I'm good. And I've crushed in front of a lot of things that like, oh, maybe something will happen here. Maybe you could have a show tonight, murder. You have the best set in the city. Doesn't yeah. fucking matter. You could also eat it harder than anybody. Doesn't also, doesn't matter. Right. And after 13 years of doing this, what am I going to be 47 still hoping someone finds me? Like I do a show at whatever club and someone's like, finally you're 47, we need you. And maybe, yeah. but it's not. It's all about taking control of yourself. And with the, two, like just this podcast, you, yeah. you get it, right? With the, well, I don't know what your goals are, but like, with the opportunities of the internet, right. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, so make your own way. One hundred percent, because if you got a following, no one can fuck you. Invest no. in yourself. Don't wait for someone else. No to... No one can fuck you. Like right. once, if you've got a million people who listen, to... I don't know what the subscribership is. Mm-hmm. If you've got a million people listening to this. You're fucking rolling. All you right. got to do is, hey, Gary here. I'm going to be in Cleveland next. to... Boom, that shit sells out immediately, and you're making money on that tour. No one fucks you when you have your own following. That's the yeah. only game. Mm-hmm. At at unless you're plucked, when you're one of the people who are plucked young, and there are people who are. Who are and it's it's um, there are people who are plucked at the twenty one year and the people I started with, people, uh, you know, are now superstars. They're worldwide famous. You right. know, um, if you're not plucked as you get older, you've got to create your own. Per- personally,
1: that's that's where I'm at so in my that's my head. That's your direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this way, you're your own boss. No one's deciding your own fate. Yeah. You're making your own thing. Yeah,
2: that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And even with the Gandhi show, I thought I thought I did it because that was the old model back in the day. I saw a lot of people do these kind of hot these shows, make them real good. Then they get web series out of them. Then they get TV shows. Get good agents, good managers. I never got an agent. I never got a manager. I never got a... The, some people come see me here and there, but yeah. mainly they would, you know. Um, they were, you know, people knew about the show but I, I didn't get it didn't turn into a web series it didn't turn into a TV show it's like, and that was a I don't know how we could have done that show better personally if, people, if you've been doing stand up in New York the last 10 years yeah. you know of the show we put on Absolutely. and it was damn good yeah. and I'll stand behind that it was you know and I don't know how we could have put on a better show. Mm-hmm. There are shows are that are as good and there are phenomenal shows now and there will always be fun. But like we put on a show that I, when it was rocking, I'll put it up against any show that was happening in this city. And, and I think I think I'm not saying anything that people I'm the not
1: CK dropped into your show. Multiple times. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh Hannibal Burris You it didn't matter who you name, they did yeah. it. The point is like when it was rolling, I'll put and, and I'm not I'm not being cocky, it's not an ego thing. It's a it's like a stat or it's like it it was a good show. Yeah. It just was a good show. So is that why you stopped doing it? You felt like it
1: it did everything it could do?
2: Yeah. Every agent came at one point, every right. manager, every casting person. They all know about it. They all know. And it's like, we we're doing. We left on a high note. Yeah, and it started to feel like an aging old man kind of. We're running year, going on year eight almost. Uh-huh. It started to just feel like we're folding chairs. The, the chairs are what did it? If you ask
1: my <laughs> co-producer, it, 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 folding chairs at the end of the night. Yeah, it's yeah. like
2: one a.m. and like you're like, man, I can't believe I'm, I'm this old still folding these chairs, yeah. doing this free show. It's those show. little moments that they get, get you. Yeah, yeah. you know, at a certain point, you're like, dude, I need to do like the next thing. Right. So I'm kind of in the mode right now. I'm kind of. I have some ideas I'm on and I've tried some I'm kind of in
1: my next mode now man I got that way after three years of doing my show <laughs> and I had not to fold chairs it's
2: which just... is probably better eight is absurd uh-huh. it's fucking dumb you know what I mean but the show was so good we had to keep it going because yeah. it's like, it was so good. I mean, you have to do anything, but like, why would you kill? Because it was fucking good. It just was. Solid audience every week. You long. know, the vibe was cool. It was fun. Every famous person did it that you needed, like, to do, you know.
1: Gary Levitt did it
2: a couple Gary times. Gary Levitt did it a couple <laughs> times, you know? Yeah, so you had to make your own path. That's it. And that show, I'll say this we created that show we created that was something we did and then from that my reputation went up in the stand up world i got more spots it was a place i could do i could do 20 minute sets every wow. week mm-hmm. i could build that there like and that's something we did i got that was the best thing i ever did in comedy hands down for mm-hmm. what it led me to what i learned what i got out of it hands down the best
1: thing i ever did that's kind of the best advice for someone starting stand up yeah. is to start your own show yeah
2: it's a good way yeah it's one of the ways you yeah. know yeah i i uh yeah, it was it was a uh, but the, but the point is and you want to know how that started for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh my uh, Brendan who I co-run, he has his own reasons and his own he's a person with his Brandon own views. I don't want to speak for yeah, I don't want to speak for him. I did that show cuz I started going the road t- about 10 years ago. I started getting some road work when I was 2 3 years in, you know, oh hosting, featuring whatever. I started doing some road work and it would fly somewhere, drive somewhere, lose a ton of money, and then there would be some of these one-nighters, and whoever would run the show, a lot of times like a greasy dude who's like, he would treat the comics terrible, uh-huh. he would make like four grand on the night, you start doing the math, right. he would make a ton of money, and I worked at two comedy clubs so I kinda know the math and right. how things, I know what drinks are costing, what I kinda, I, you know, I've been on the inside of a couple comedy clubs to know, to see things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm like, I'm getting a hundred bucks. And like and then the guy doesn't give a fuck about comedy. Right. Like he cares about money in the seats or like he would treat the comics terrible. And I had a couple really bad experiences on the road. It like really pissed me off. And I go, and I'd been at Caroline's a lot. So for me, I was like, I know a lot of big comics from being at Caroline's. I also like want to do some shit right. And so I was like, I think I can run this better than... I'm not speaking for Britney. I'm speaking for myself Yeah, I was like I can put on a show better than these people fuck these people on the road and then when you're young you're also not getting club uh, other than Caroline's because I happen to have that in right. I wasn't really getting spots at all the other clubs I'm t- two years in I'm three years in four right. years in whatever so and then you go fuck this now I'm going to create my own thing yeah and then, and then we ran that show, which I think a lot of... It was on Wednesday nights. It's better than a lot of sh- shit in comedy clubs. Absolutely. Uh, so And that, that has built my career up. So, so it's all about self-doing it. It ran its course. We mm-hmm. still have it monthly. We still travel with that brand. But it ran... It kind of ran... It did what it needed to do, like you say. And right. now I'm into my next phase. So, and I have other projects. I have, I have other
1: things that I'm brewing. I think it's good to shake it up, too, because you, yeah. get, you get rejuvenated. Sorry I've just been yelling for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right should we uh, call your dad oh no I'll pass on that one <laughs> so you don't talk to him at all huh no not at all yeah no
2: I've had some interaction throughout the year but or uh, the years but in general no has he ever seen you do stand up no. no my mom's never seen me I talk to my mom every day why, doesn't, why isn't she uh... um she just doesn't just doesn't I don't know she lives far away so the opportunities are not really there
1: well she, she comes visits she comes to visit yeah
2: but it's still just not a thing we do it's just it's like my thing that I do you uh-huh. know which is do you think she would just
1: not understand it
2: um no my mom would get it she she would get it it's just not just not yeah can you make make her laugh
1: oh of course yeah yeah yeah
2: Yeah. i'm cool with it everything's yeah she just doesn't yeah
1: and i'm totally cool with it Mm -hmm. yeah that's your thing yeah nice so what's next Uh, I've show tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have shows all the time. People
2: should yeah, check no, out your website. My, well, my new thing. This is my new thing. This is one of my new. I started with that. If you and this will how I guess will end. It sounds like we're at the end. I don't know. Like you're saying, how how can you, you know I perform, I perform? for 13 years, mm-hmm. right? My career is so so.
1: You know, some things are better than others, whatever. Uh, but I'm good at what I do. But also, you should keep in mind that. Your career can change overnight. At a split second. Somebody, yeah. some huge comic can take you on the road and then boom. Yeah. But You still, can explode it any, that's the great thing about being an artist. Sure. If your art is out there. Sure. Overnight, you could wake up in the morning with an email that is life changing. Yeah, which I've been waiting on for 13 years.
2: Hey, and it, it could happen. Yeah. But my new thing now is I perform every night. My name is Lance Weiss. So people after a show, how many times do we perform? There's 20 people in the crowd, 50 people in the crowd, and no one knows who the fuck you are. You crush, but you're one of nine comics. we right. one of 12 comics. They don't know you. You, you went six. Nobody knows who you are. Right. You did a great job. They can't follow you. They don't know anything about you. They don't know where you are. My name is Lance Weiss. Even if you happen to know my name, how do you spell Weiss? Right. What is it? Something else comes up. How do you fucking find me? It's impossible. And, and people in comedy clubs are maybe we should
1: stop mispronouncing and just say it's Weiss. <laughs> Could be
2: Weiss. People in comedy clubs are. Are drunk a lot of times. Yeah. There's a min- an alcohol minimum or food item minimum. They're drunk. They're tired. They're not paying. They're on their phone. They're not paying attention. So now, as one of my things, you tell me what's next. I've rebranded everything I own on e- my website. Now redirects here. My Snapchat, my Instagram, my Twitter, uh, my YouTube channel. Everything is just. I'm now party with Lance mm. everywhere. Right. You can't fuck that up. When if I and I do it in my set now you can find me a party I have a little joke around it I have a little joke around it yeah. party with Lance you can't mishear what I'm saying right. you can't misspell what I'm saying you can't fuck that up and it's it's kind of a fun positive it, no matter what it it's, and, it's branding yeah and for when I tour let's mm-hmm. say I'm doing a theater I remember I went to like Sebastian Minascalco, my buddy opens for him so I went like to hang out yeah um I was. I they had like these big jumbotron. I've been a lot, you know. Uh, throughout my years, got to go to a number of different things. They had a jumbotron, and it was like Sebastian Live or whatever. Hashtag Sebastian Live. and I was like, dude when I tour, anything I do is just party with Lance. Now, right? You want to if I start my own podcast? Like, dude, you want to hang out? You want to party with Lance on the podcast? Like, perfect. You want to do a YouTube channel? Like, come party with me on my channel. You want to come see me live? Come party with me on Saturday night. I'm gonna be at this theater. I'm gonna be at this place. So it literally, I just a lot of thought that when I spent two weeks thinking of this handle and yeah. uh, like every and it's and it's not it's not a negative it's as a little bit of a fun vibe party can be anything you and me i want to go eat lunch right now dude we're having a fucking party we're eating lunch we're eating yeah. tacos this is kick-ass <laughs> you know what i mean anything can be a part like my you know ice cream with my nieces is a part anything i and i can, so it can live as a handle and also as a hashtag
1: so if i'm like eating ice See, cream, these, these are skills you learn when you uh self-promote so basically what you're doing is branding Yeah. Right. That's branding. Something that'll stick with people. Yeah. uh, My name is Gary Levitt. That's whatever. Yeah. But on social media, I'm Gary, Gary Levitt. Gary, 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 Gary. Yeah. for some reason Gary, Gary Levitt is more memorable than Gary Levitt. Yeah. Um, You sang it twice. Yeah. So, but that branding can lend itself to so many different industries. I can go anywhere with that. Anything I do. And I started thinking about like people I like. But now you're a branding expert is what I'm saying. Like you could work for Shell be like, hey, Shell Oil, I'm going to help your brand. We're going to party with Shell.
2: Perhaps, yeah. (laughs) Maybe you don't want
1: to give them your brand. but
2: Yeah, yeah. I would do more like, uh, you know, uh, party with Shell. Shoot the shit with Shell. Shell is partying with Lance or something like that. You somehow brand it with like... Co-brand. Yeah, so it's like uh, party with Lance, party with Shell.
1: Like something like, you know... Yeah. um, But what I'm saying is these are skills that... Sure, sure, sure. You know, go beyond uh, stand-up comedy and just... They're just... Life skills that we're learning, yeah. along the way, yeah. But the but the point is, I've taken it into my own control, and I literally, I and
2: I have all these things I'm about to I'm about to do here in the next few months. I'm currently mm-hmm. in the process of moving, but once I get, I have all these things. And party with Lance is my whole literally. I went on the road recently a couple times, mm-hmm. and my I made some flyers, and they were all party with Lance, party with Lance on the road. I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be here, and I'm gonna be here. Like it literally, it's my. I'm super excited about it. But it's what you say. What's next? Just just party with Lance. You'll find all my shit, no
1: matter what platform you're on. Party with Lance. You'll find me. Right, and there you go. So, for any listeners? Yeah. Party with Lance. Party with Lance. That's it. That's the whole thing. Let's go grab some lunch and party with Lance. I'm starving, actually. All right. All right. Sweet. Thanks, (laughs) man.